This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of Hey, Doc, welcome back. I missed you last week. Uh, I managed to upset the entire Kaiser Chiefs uh, fan base by suggesting that a nil-nil draw uh, in the game was no good. And they all bombed me with me. But we won 4-3 on penalties. Um, and, you know, once I woke up from that uh, that argument, I had to sort of yawningly concede, OK, well, technically it's a win. But I think you would have managed it better than me, uh, Doc. I just kind of got grumpy and threw my toys out the cart a bit. Well, Gordon, I was grumpy because I was in hospital last week, as you well know, so I wasn't feeling great, uh, but I'm back and and, uh, and getting better every day. And I see you've just uh, come back from the Sarni Pass. I'm certainly not fit enough to go and hike that. You know, I'm just walking around the suburbs now getting my strength back. So how was how was the week anyway? You know, it's a wonderful event. It's a, it's a wonderful sort of a sleeper event in, in KZN. It's uh, for the Chalk Foundation. Um and it's one of their big fundraisers and to anybody. In fact, there are a number of media people on the mountain, uh, not the normal sort of 750 odd people that we would get for it. But uh, due to COVID, the numbers were um, kind of constrained. But there, I, I saw a number of media faces there that I recognize. So well done, all those guys, some from uh, OMD, some from the media shop for making it up to the top. And for anybody out there who's an outdoor bunny um, and you want to really participate in a fantastic, unique South African experience, uh, the Chalk uh, Walk Up Sani Pass, first Saturday in, in August. Uh, it's a great fundraiser. It's a marvelous charity to support. And you will have a unique experience uh, in this country, which is just something really, really special. So, yeah, it was a good good time, Doc. Uh, but I'm glad you're back. Um, I bought you some chocolates, but unfortunately, they never made it past my bedside table. So, uh, <laughs> even though I've walked up uh, Sani Pass, I'm, I'm a good kilogram heavier than I was um, yeah, it's the thought that counts, Gordon. It's all good. All good. Anyway. Well, speaking of thought and thought leaders, uh, this morning on, on Dark and Guru podcast, we've got 
two well-known uh, media personalities, Joe Scholz and Karen Dyke, who have been instrumental in setting up, running, a, and just kind of nurturing for, I think, since 2010. I'm sure they'll give us the background. Um, the Abstract Club, which, is, which has been up till recently a loose affiliation of media freelancers, but it's being more formalized with some fantastic new developments. So Karen and Joe, welcome to the podcast this morning, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you about the new developments on the Abstract Club. Thanks so much for having us. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, thanks and a lot, Gordon. Great stuff. Well, I mean, with that, let, let's perhaps start at the beginning, which um, is a bit more logical than I normally am. Um, <laughs> just give us the background to the Abstract Club. Uh, in my mind, the, the day 2010 is sticking in my head. Why was it formed? What was its purpose? And, and how has it sort of functioned up till now? Great. Thanks, Gordon. Um, so it did start, the, the thoughts kind of started actually in 2011, which is 10 years ago. Um, I had decided to go on my own and become an independent freelancer and um, didn't want to be disconnected from the industry as one often, you know, the minute you leave formal employment, you lose touch with the, the industry to some degree. And so Karen was the trade marketing manager at Ads24 at the time, and we had been, um, we'd worked together before. And I walked into her office and she bought into this idea immediately. And Ads24 was our sponsor for all of the years that we actually met in physical. Um, now during COVID, all our meetings have moved uh, online and um, it's a completely different setup. Um, and yeah, the vision was to help um, freelance media professionals feel networked, supported and to grow in our learning as well. And maybe I, I can jump I'm... in there. Oh, sorry, Gordon. No, no, go for it. Yeah, no, go for it, go for it. You know, I think that at that stage, I also felt that I was missing a connection with the strategists and people I'd been used to working with in agencies. And this just seemed like a fantastic idea to be in a position where we could provide the freelancers who needed the network support with continuous learning opportunities, really, and access to innovative product launches and any new thinking that was driving the industry. So, yeah, from my side, that was, it was a no-brainer. It was definitely an important thing for us to do. In fact, well, look at that time, you had just been to a Unilever learning conference, I think it was. Correct, um, and, correct. And you had this wealth of knowledge and you just wanted to share your insights. And I think our very first meeting was exactly that. You shared your insights from the, the conference, which was amazing. So we, we launched with about seven members, um, uh, old uh, people from the industry. Oh, well, old. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's me. I, okay, that's my call sign. I'll be coming in shortly. <laughs> no, not 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 age related but people with lots of experience that we'd obviously worked with in companies and had a lot of respect for and um we grew from there yeah you know speaking as one of those uh, mythical old people in advertising um 
uh, you know, I've been a beneficiary of the abstract club myself over the years because you're absolutely right. Once you you leave the elevated sort of ivory tower, you uh, you are kind of isolated. And, and I noted with with interest, for instance, last year the World Advertising Research Council um, made a hundred pieces of content available free to freelancers. So if you were a, a freelancer, you could correspond with them. And they would give you 100 downloads. Now, you know, getting on that walk website uh, is like Aladdin's cave. It's it, it just got so much stuff. Uh, so I thought that was a nice gesture. But yes, um, the isolation is, is, is a critical kind of limitation of operating outside the, the framework. Um, just in terms of the, mem- the number of Abstract Club members, started off with the, the smallish base. And then I'm going to swing it back to... to to the doc in a moment just to see how he would use freelancers or if indeed he did. What What is the kind of member base now? I mean, I've, I've been aware that numbers have, have been increasing or more faces in, in the exchange. How many people are, are we talking about here who are active freelancers and engage with Abstract Club? That launched the website. Um, we've got 18 paid up uh, members and, and they are, are growing. So, um, we, we have got some standby people in the wings and um, hopefully we'll see those numbers now that we've officially launched the website. Um, we hope to see those numbers grow even further. We're going to come back to the website now. Doc, I mean, what's your view uh, as a marketer on, on using freelancers, you know, whether they're creative freelancers or media freelancers? I mean, orchestration and, and, and alignment with the agency is quite a difficult thing to do. Were you a big kind of freelance guy in your time or were you more inclined to, to keep it within the team? Yeah, Gordon, um, most times we didn't. We used, you know, the main agency, so your main creative agency, uh, and, and <coughs> sorry, and your main media agency, they in turn, and, and I mean, you, as you well know, often the creative process, that is outsourced to, you know, freelancers. We would then indirectly work with them, you know, through that session of making typically a TV production into digital and all the rest of it. But we wouldn't necessarily engage. And I think part of, part of the challenge, I guess, is the unknown factor. And Joe and, and Corin, we must chat about that just from a perspective of a, a freelancer wanting to say, listen, I've got the established credentials. I can do this stuff. I just don't have the business card. And I've often found that sometimes without the big business card, Gordon, suddenly people don't think you can do it anymore. You know, you say, but I'm the same person. I'm just one day older than yesterday. You know, I haven't suddenly become stupid. So I think from our point of view, if I look at it back at those days, it was an unknown factor. Um, and I would always rely you know, on our main agencies to guide us in that direction. Also, as you know, I mean, just getting your agencies to play nicely is a challenge in itself. You know, then I throw the PR people and everyone's got an opinion, you know what I mean? So it's like I end up herding cats of the guys that are on retainer. We pay them, you know, we pay them to behave. And now suddenly, you know, you've got to throw other people in. So it was always a challenge. But I think now today, I look at it from a different point of view, Joe and, and Corin, if we can't just chat about that. You know, just from a credentials point of view, how is it that, and certainly I find, you know, having stepped out of the corporate world, when I had a big fancy business card, geez, I was a smart guy, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> and now it's tough. Eh? Now you go to the same people and you say, listen, I, I can still do these things. My card's not as big and shiny, but it's, it's still pretty cool. You know, so, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about the club, how it's evolved and what do you do as a safety net? 
to provide people, I guess, well, you know, like Gordon and myself and other people who've stepped out of the formal uh, corporate space into um, more of a privateer space. So it's always been a word of mouth environment that we've operated in up until we've launched the, the platform. And I think that, I mean, Joe's always said to me, I'm a connector. I am a person who, I get calls every day. This morning I fielded four calls of people saying, do you know anyone who can do this and who can do that? And so on and so forth. And the benefit, I think, here is that these are people that we've worked with. We know them personally. They've been invited to be members of the Abstract Club. So we are very happy to put them forward in situations um, where they'll be working with clients we know. From a, from a direct client perspective, Joe's had experience with that, um, not necessarily South African clients, but certainly she has um, overseas clients who recognize her for her skills and her expertise. So she's not really seen in that space anymore. And I think that that's what happens when you hit, when you move out of the formal sector being employed full time is your reputation goes with you. Yes. But then people think that you've moved on and you're doing something else. Whereas in fact, you're not, you just have your own clients now rather than um, working with the agency's clients or with the, um, the individual brands that you have been working on before. So the other thing that comes into it that I think very few people understand is that you're only as good as the last job you did. So you have to be, in fact, I, I love the way you say, Doug, that you're still the same guy. You're just a day older. You're not the same guy. You're working a lot harder now <laughs> because you're only as good as the last job you did because no one cares about what you were doing 10 years ago or, you know, any of that stuff. So, and, and literally your next piece of business will come from that reputation building as you move along with it. I mean, Gordon's also aware of this. He knows I've phoned him many times to say to him, Gordon, I need someone who can do this. Please come and do it for X client, you know. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the network in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah. Great. I don't know if that answers your question 100%, and I'm sure Joe can add to it. Sure. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. And what we also find is that um, we often get asked to come and do like on the job training um, to come and run a workshop. You know, we've got digital expertise. Um, we've done workshops around demystifying digital terms. So the work that we do and that the, 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 the platform can provide doesn't have to just be a caretaking role while somebody's on maternity leave, for example. Um, it can be a... A, a training workshop for a day for a, a marketing department um, different perspectives we we have launched a product on our website called the virtual forum and it's a product where you can book four experts for up to three hours and you can literally um, plug in any thing that you want to brainstorm or you want to hack a brief or if a creative agency wants to do a dummy um, pitch they we, we could have four experts to sit in that pitch and and help field 
questions, things they haven't thought about. You know, sometimes the creative people, all they can think of is one particular medium and they, they see the headlines and they see how it's going to pan out. But it might be that that particular medium um, is no longer relevant for the target market. So how do you work with that? Yeah, I think it's quite important just in the point you're making now, Joe, about a wider range of services, you know. Uh, it's not just, and I guess it started as, uh, you know, a collection of, of media experts in its, in its different parts of media, but now it's all encompassing. Their PR, their communications people, their writing skills, there's workshops, there's immersions, there's, you know, I've gone through the list of, of stuff, uh, you know, research and insights. So again, I guess, you know, I'd, I'd encourage people out there to get on your, on your new, new, uh, revamped website to go look at all the services and also, from the other side, you know, if you're a, a so-called expert, uh, go on, register, and as you say, Corin, by invitation, I guess you've got to put your credentials on and, and there's a vetting process and, and then someone will be told, yes, you can, no, you can't. Is, is that more or less how it works? Correct. Um, okay. Because we've, we, we've really only up until, well, the advent of COVID and lockdown, I guess, mm. we were meeting in real life and we could work this via word of mouth, you know, who has capacity, there's a job, somebody needs a new pitch, yeah. we need someone who can work on that. But at this stage, companies are a lot more comfortable with remote working than they were a year ago. Yeah. And it's no longer, um, it, it's no longer a problem for companies to have people doing work remotely for them. So, at the same time, we, Joe and I understand, and the members understand, that we don't know everybody in the industry, particularly now that we are making it a much broader um, reach service than, than purely media. So, of course, we're not going to just exclude people. We do say to people, you know, they're more than welcome to apply for membership, but we are going to need two written references sure. and quite probably an interview kind of situation we need to know that people are buying into the same values that we have, that they'll fit, that they're comfortable, we're comfortable with them, and that we can trust them in as part of the network. Sure. And okay. trust is a, is a big thing, Karen. I mean, you yeah. know, because a lot of what goes on um, uh, is non-disclosable. So in any yes. typical freelancing, and I've been freelancing now for over 20 years, you'll be an, under an NDA. So let, let's talk about uh, the deal or the, the joint remuneration deal. So if Abstract Club, uh, as I understand it, were to uh, identify a project for me to work on, I, I, I would have the benefit of working on that project, but I'd uh, rebate a, a commission back to the Abstract Club, which, which is kind of what we do normally anyway behind the scenes. So if you steer a project my way, we'll agree a, a referral fee or vice versa. So we've been doing it for a while, but this is going to be a bit more formalized now. But there's, there's got to be a trust. So, I mean, I might not be able to disclose to you the, the quantum of the project um, that I'm working on. Um, and if I'm going to pay you a commission off of that, there has to be an element of trust. I mean, the whole thing is, is really uh, centers around trust. Fortunately, the member base um, has thus far been a, a group of people who've known each other for a great length of time. So the trust thing shouldn't be an issue. But, yeah, they, it really is one kind of big formalized trust group, really, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, you know, we, as far as the payment of things go, it's at the moment pretty much an honesty box system. Um, yep. we, we, we do, for the products sold on the website, 
we um, would would like some form of commission for that. Um, the members are used to paying a membership fee and have done for the last uh, about nine years. Our, our fees started with wanting to give speakers a gift of some sorts and the odd expense that we may find, but then obviously launching the platform came at, at quite a large cost. So our fees are currently a thousand rand a year for members. Um, clients don't pay to join, but what we expect from clients is that once they have found an expert via our website, that they will then give us a 2000 Rand booking fee. Um, and so there again, we, we ask them to, you know, tick a box and say, I'm aware that if I find somebody here that I would pay 2000 Rand. And then um, that's pretty much the financial model. Um, we do charge a continuation fee for members. And this is where the real honesty box thing comes. Um, if somebody uh, gets a six month project, then they pay us 430 Rand for each month that they are employed via the abstract club. So it's not a huge amount of money. It's really to help maintain the website, all the effort that goes into the website, etc. And if they have three projects in one month, it's not three times 430, it's a straight 430 Rand. So all of those details, they, they can interface off the website. I'm going to ask you in a moment just to give us that website so people can uh, um, can go and have a look and scout out uh, the guidelines for themselves. But I just want to come back to that word expert. You know, we used to joke about that, you know, uh, yesterday, you know, I didn't know how to spell the word expert. Now I is one. Um, <laughs> so what what constitutes being an, uh, an expert? I mean, you know, I, I you know, remember Karen Dyke, but working with me back, you know, in, in, in the 70s. I mean, I think she was still wearing a matric dance outfit. Um, she's an expert now, but that's, that's a long time down the line. What does it take to become an expert? We, well, we've, and in media, we've never had uh, a, a, a true definition of professional standing. So it, maybe this is the time to, to write that professional standing um, expertise guideline or mission statement, whatever you want to call it. Karen? Gordon, I think, yeah, interesting question. What does make an expert? I must just point out it wasn't the 70s, Gordon. It was the mid-80s. The so, was okay. <laughs> um, your matric outfit? I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and this is an interesting one because it's not limited to your education level or your years of experience, but it is a combination of how much you've done in the industry and what kinds of things you've been doing in the industry. And that's why we need the references, quite frankly, um, aside from the trust thing and to make sure that we've got the right people there. So yeah. the people we've been working with, we understand have a very deep knowledge of the media marketplace, different levels of expertise across the different types of media perhaps or within their own specific area um, and skill sets it's not something that's linked only it's not linked to age is what I want to say but it is linked to experience and it is linked to the kind of work that they've been doing Joe perhaps you can add to that 
Yes, and I think also um, from an expert perspective, it's often a subject matter expert. The one thing we ask members to disclose on the website is the industries that they've worked in and the kinds of work that they've done within those industries. And ultimately, it's about finding a fit for a role because um, I'm currently working with an agency. It's, it's a quick turnaround. It's a very dynamic space. Um, it feels very much retail-driven. Uh, messaging turning around, you know, there's deadlines every single day, timing plans to get stuff through the, the system on a daily basis. Whereas with another agency, it's a lot more fluid. We've got three months before launch. Um, it's more about strategy, etc. And the, the two are vastly different. So it's about finding the right fit and you do that by knowing which industries people have worked with, maybe which companies they've worked with. And for some people, it'll be about jogging the memory. Oh, yes, I used to work with so-and-so 10 years ago, and I see his profile is on the website. Let me contact him. And that's, again, where the honesty box comes in, because it's about did we initiate that relationship again? Um, and now they can see that this person is available for some work. Um, the other thing that I, I wanted to mention is, we, Karen and I were discussing this morning, we were at a stage where the, at an agency where they were going through a huge transformation and there were six abstract club members employed at one specific time at that agency. There were planners, strategists, client leads and research people all at the same time. And then once, you know, we often fill those caretaking roles and then they can find the, the permanent person that they want to nurture you know moving forward so that's very exciting for us to know that we've got that broad set of skills absolutely so, i mean i can attest to the to the quality of 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 you know the membership base over the years there have been some there's still are some really top top people there doc i mean when you know you're the guy with the bucks ultimately so i come to your office with a, with what you call my business card, what are you looking for? I mean, at the end of the day, what kind of reassurance would you be wanting as, as, as the kind of person who would be receiving, you know, the end product, so to speak? What, you know, what would turn you on? Yeah, I think, Gordon, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we didn't certainly, in my experience, didn't use a lot of freelancers, although they may have come in directly. It was based on, on the trust and the networking, Corin, you spoke about it being a connector. And sometimes it's like that, you know, you trust people who you know, and it's about the track record. So for me, it's about, have you done it? Have you done it recently? What have been the results? And also, what am I looking for? You know, sometimes it's a very narrow deep set of skills that are that are very specific as opposed to say more of a client facing type role which is more of a general role so yeah Gordon you know a, a lot of the time I guess um, I want to say across my career where I had some really big budgets and some really small budgets and you had to work differently and smarter both times you try to buy the best you know I always try to have the best staff try to grow them the best way try to be the best but you don't always get it right uh, and then certainly my partners uh, I would always look at saying have we done the best because in many cases with the exception of of my time at Nasha where we were the market leader in certain categories for the bulk of my career we were challenging we chased somebody you know we chased market share we we, we um Use and I don't even think we use the term challenge brand that we just it just came to us, you know. Uh, and so therefore we needed more for less out of everybody, including 
and whether it was a freelancer or for that matter, a person on retainer. And sometimes retainers make you fat and lazy, you know, because it's nice to get the money at the end of the month. Uh, but I'd like to think, Gordon, you know, that we kept everybody honest, including ourselves, you know, saying, uh, let's have a healthy relationship where, where we can perform across the board. Joe, just one question from my side as we sort of look towards wrapping up. Um, you were talking about agencies. Do, most of your requests, do they come via the agency route or does it come via a client to brand uh, route? I'd say that our most of our requests come from agencies. We also get a lot of work um, from media owners. You know, um, they will get us involved with training. They'll get us involved with on the trade marketing side. Um, Karen actually does quite a bit of work with the, the media owners. Um, and and then a few clients direct. But clients direct is definitely not the the, the core of, of what we've done in the past. Okay. Yeah. Go, just a quick one. As well. Sorry, the jumping duck? No, no, no. Go, go, go for it, Gordon. I, I just wanted to make sure, because I know I'm just also uh, sense checking the clock here. We kind of lose track of time with Zoom. Joe, just give us the... the uh, the entry point uh, the, to the website there for, for the listener, just so they can go on to Abstract, Abstract Club and, and see all the stuff for themselves? Yeah, they can simply just go to theabstractclub.com. Okay, theabstractclub.com, the normal spelling thereof. Okay, so quick question for you. What's the future um, of, of freelancing, uh, you know, both Karen and you? Um, I just had a look uh, again at last year's report, which we covered in an earlier podcast from Walk on the future of strategy. And it was interesting when they when they looked at strategists, um, only 37% of them said that in their next iteration, the next job, they, they'd be going back into agencies. 23% wanting to go in-house with clients, 19% going into this groovy word consultancy. So that's a side question. What's the difference between a freelancer and a consultant? But only 6% wanting to become freelancers. Uh, in fact, there are more people who claim during uh, that walk research last year during COVID who want to leave the industry, 10%, than want to actually become freelancers. Is freelance a, a cool thing to be anymore, or is it just really just too hard? That's for you, Karen, or, or Joe. Okay. No, I'm happy to answer it. Um <laughs> You know, for me, I think that the semantics between freelancer and consultant, I mean, I get that it's not just semantics, that there is actually a difference and one sells their time for money and one understands the value that they're delivering. So I would add those two numbers together, quite frankly, the consulting and the, and the freelancing, because I think that there is definitely a trend that we've seen rising in the past year for people to take more control of their own time and to have the kind of freedom for a kind of lifestyle that, you know, look what Joe's done moving down to the coast. She made a, a conscious decision. So I think that there's definitely a, a, a rising trend. I think that the word freelancer might be going out of fashion to some extent um, and that, yes, there are more people who talk about being independent contractors or consultants than we've seen in the past. But, yeah, that's my feeling. Joe? No, I, 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 that makes an awful lot of sense to me, Karen, listening to that, because I think it's just really the word that shifted consultants has become a, a more kind of professional word. Um, Doc, I'm going to leave it to you to uh, 
to to maybe do the rap for us here. I mean, and I, I just refer to myself as as being a media smos, but it seems that smos is not a particularly professional word either. But I like it. I've got to do a presentation next month where they wanted my job title, so I said media smos, and they and they're not prepared to use it. I had to come up with another more suitable title. So Doc, from <coughs> the media smos, and to Joe and and Corin, <laughs> thanks for the time. We're going to leave it to you, Doc, for the rap. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks very much. Joe, Corin, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, to our listeners out there, again, you know, always be part of the conversation. Uh, you know, get onto the abstractclub.com, uh, whether you're a brand agency on the one side or, for that matter, freelance consultant expert, in your case, Gordon, uh, to uh, to be part of that. And, and, yeah, you know, hopefully grow the membership. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks Thanks for having us. It's been great. Excellent. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.